listening to Music Fools Crack the Beat. I'm Jacob Mayer. And I'm Tom Shannon. Join us as we explore a piece of music. Dive into the beast through dance. And grow our knowledge of the art. Do you know, Jacob, we may not know a little nor a lot. But in this episode, I know there's going to be lots of musical japes. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> musical japes, huh? <laughs> musical japes. We're going to be doing lots of musical practical joking. As they say. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm I'm into that. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> so on, on that JP and almost whimsical tone. So this week we're going to take a look at Wayfaring Stranger, a classic American folk tune. Mm. Awesome. Okay, let's do a playthrough. is a very somber tone <laughs> you have there well, i figured we had a bright happy uh piece last time around and so we're gonna take take a a, a more somber uh mellow kind of piece and take a look at it yeah it has a very ethereal almost you know i think it's used in i don't know if they, oh maybe i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> i was going to say something about the song but we have a little fact and fiction. Okay, Tom. So, fact or fiction. Number mm-hmm. one. I have three of them for you, but we're just going to take them one by one and see, see kind of what kind of interesting topics they bring up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, The Wayfaring Stranger is an old, old piece of music. It's a tune that's mm-hmm. been around for a while. According to my research for this podcast, The Wayfaring Stranger used to be known as the Libby Prison Hymn back during the period of the U.S. Civil War. Mm. By the way, the Civil War was between 1861 and 1865. So what do you think about that, Tom? 61 to 65. Uh, Yeah, I came across that as well. So I think think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is true. Yes. Found a few links to support that. Um, my understanding is that it, it was, which was the Libby Prison was a Confederate prison, so it was the Unionists uh, were prisoners, mm. and it was it was one prisoner to another, and kind of sang that hymn, a song. Ah, okay, okay. To comfort them or something like that. Um. For a long time, it was believed that this was the song was actually written by um, this inmate mm. in, in Libby mm. Prison. It was re- that's where it came from, and one of the inmates mm. had had died uh, writing it out on the prison wall uh, okay. to maybe comfort uh. other inmates, and it became that's how it became known as the Libby uh, Prison song. But mm. um, but later yeah. on, it, now it's believed that there's actually a much earlier origin, and it's been you know a lot of people believe it came from before that. There is a publication from 1858 
ah. which said it was uh, Joseph Beaver's Christian Songster, which is a collection of hymns and spirituals, and that had it in print hmm. uh, under, I think, either Wayfaring Stranger or slash Wayfaring Pilgrim. I'm not sure exactly hmm. which. So that seems to be the first time it's in print, unless there was an earlier version. Yeah, it's it's so hard to know, right? And which mm. brings me to my second fact or fiction. Okay. Okay, so here we go, Tom. Second fact or fiction. The Wayfaring Stranger became part of American folk tradition through the big second wave of Irish immigration to the US that is said to have become that is said to have begun as a reaction to the eighteen forty five potato blight. Many Irish settled in Appalachia and became part of the mining communities there, and they brought their culture and music. Uh, did you make that up? Uh, I didn't <laughs> make that up per se. <laughs> sounds made up. <laughs> sounds made up. <laughs> I didn't specifically make mm. it up, uh, mm. I, but mm -hmm. it, I so wouldn't argue that it's true. I would argue that it's more fiction. Did um, you? Did you, did someone write that somewhere? Or someone wrote that as a possible origin and this okay. is the thing about this piece yeah. there are a variety of possible origins it's an old song we don't really have specific proof that of where the origin of the song came from um so i just think it's important when we start talking about the th the, the the melody and the lyrics and everything that the origins are unclear but whatever yeah, the song is today it's yeah, unclear yeah. i mean like we're going back 150 over 150 years so uh written records would be pretty sparse perhaps especially for something like a folk song did you um, find any uh, any any kind of origin story for the song not really um i saw various groups claiming it like the people in the appalachian mountains hmm. i think we were talking about the melungeons when we were researching this last week yeah yeah um, yeah who by the way are as i understand maybe mm. portuguese colonists or settlers or somehow connect or believed to so, have possibly been i'm not really sure yeah what group that is. no i think it was a mixture of different ethnicities like portuguese perhaps uh like uh african-americans oh, okay. native americans perhaps so it's unclear uh, really Irish. Who... it's perhaps english it's a it's a yeah. mixture of different groups it seems so they seem to be a some mixture group um it could have been them. It, it sounds been, like some people say it's uh, people don't know where this song came from. <laughs> yeah, it seems like an African, an African spiritual song. But he's arguing for that. I have a quote here uh, on a link that when I was looking at it, um, and it's by David Warren Steele, and he, in mm. in a book called the Journal Music Musicological 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 okay. Research, and it says the spiritual song tradition is neither white nor black. Neither Southern nor Northern, uh, but American. Hmm. So, and the, the then the comment comes from this person on this website saying that he understands this to mean that whenever there is a hard to trace origin story, spirituals were quickly adopted by a diverse group of people hmm. and traditions of America and so continues today. So my reading of that is that the song is popular not because it's stuck to one particular group or culture or race, but it has almost a universal appeal. To, it speaks to something more universal about humans. Yeah, maybe. it has. Because it it's about death. Does. So even though it's a religious song and 
I, I can't speak for you, but I'm not really that religious, but it does speak to something in us, you know. Something do you think it's about, so you, you think it's really very clearly about death? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I was going to bring this up before we did the facts and fictions. There was, um, I haven't seen it, but there's a movie called 1917. And they use yeah, the song in it. I haven't seen it either. It looks quite good. I must actually check it out. But um, there's a guy called Josh. Uh, get his name here now. One second. Josh uh, Slovich, who hmm. uh, sang the song for the movie. And they yeah, use I, it. I, I listened to I it. It's it's very intense. So he he he's in this movie. Uh, he's singing for the movie, and it seems the scene seems to be something about this guy who's lost and we don't know if he's dead or alive or something like that mm. and it's a it's a war movie so just to be clear about world war one i think it's about a, somebody looking for their brother or something so i yeah i think it's very clearly about death but i think it has a universality to it so yeah i i tended um, tend to view the song as more of a a story about um about life and you know the okay. kind of passage through life and that would include, you know, the end where you would, because yeah. it is it is a Christian song where you would reunite mm -hmm. with your family in heaven or mm -hmm. your your yeah. your friends and family. Yeah. But I kind of see it as an arc more than just <clears throat> purely about death. Um, well, when we say death, death is a part of life. So, I just want to correct something. Oh yeah. That what's I up? said in a previous podcast, and you just reminded me when you brought. Oh up yeah. <laughs> but not when you when you brought up the Irish coming to America. Uh, you know, when the, the, actually, and you're right. So let's be clear. At that time, after the famine, lots yeah. of Irish people did go to America. So oh, that is yeah. correct. So there is some truth to that. Hmm. That there could be an origin story there. But uh, that makes sense. But we were talking about jazz. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the I had mentioned that the word jazz had come from jazz. Oh yeah. Jazz. Yeah. You were very clear that this was a story. This is a story, yeah, but I yeah. just want to be I just want to correct myself because there's no clear linguistic evidence for that. Oh, yeah. That so that I just want to make that clear that and I think lots <laughs> of languages have claimed this. I think French has tried to claim the word jazz and I think some mm. other languages have tried to claim it. Some African languages have tried to claim it. So uh there's no That's clear a good linguistic correction. There's no clear linguistic evidence. I, I just want to be clear that we have to have good evidence. So there's no clear um, uh, yeah, linguistic evidence for this. Anyway, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, that yeah. You know, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate okay. that. Yeah, I, I thought you were very careful about presenting that, that uh, information, but it's... it's yeah, I heard, it's heard that. It sounds like a good it. story, but it's just a story. It's, it's yeah. you know, it, like, and I think the article I found, and I linked it in that podcast... Uh, it was one of our previous podcasts. I, can, I can't remember which now. But uh, the article was trying to link lots of words to Irish that mm. we use in English. And uh, it just just because chas, jazz, chas, jazz, chas, jazz sound the same. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the same uh, origin. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find the word, but anyway. Well, I have one more fact uh, yes. or fiction. So Ooh. here we go. Uh, going over Jordan is mm -hmm. something that's mentioned in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Going over Jordan is a metaphor for arriving in the promised land of the Christian belief system. Mm -hmm. 
that's true. Okay, okay. So this was new for me. That's why. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely well, it's new is. for me too. It was new for me as well. It was. It means to die and go to heaven, basically. I guess it it has to do with the Israelites passing over the Jordan River the first mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Into Israel, which was the promise, which is the promised land to the Israeli people. Mm. So I didn't really know that metaphor, and I was really glad to learn that. Yeah, I didn't uh, know that either. I was like, what does that mean? I, I could guess from context, but I had to look that up too. You know, going over Jordan. There we go. Well, yeah. Everybody dies. Jay. Everybody, Everybody dies. Everybody dies. <laughs> Fine, fucked in a bosh. There was an Irish comedian, and she has a set of um, she does a set of poems. Askelga, and for those who know a bit of the Irish language, Askelga means in Irish. And what she does is she says her poem. Wait, can I try to English. say that? As- a- Askelga. Askelga. As. Aska Gaelga. No, that's not right. Uh, Gael, 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 like the Gaels. Gaelga. 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 I'm, 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 I'm not probably saying it very good either. <laughs> <laughs> very, very All right, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted no, 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 to no. try to remember um, that one. She, she has, she, so she does a poem. Askelga. And then in English. So she says one line in Irish and then she says one line in English. And then she always ends her poem with Fine. Cocked in a boss. Which translates as everybody dies. Mm, which is mm. a, a kind of. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of this in certain aspects of Irish language poetry where it's always mm. talking about sadness and death. Like, for example, it, it's a cultural <laughs> point here. <laughs> this, this, I've, I've been in pubs. So if you go to a pub in Ireland, when they were open, you know, millennium ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the, way, the good old days. Yeah. The good old days, you know, before um, that was shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you go to like a trad pub, a traditional pub, and then I play a bit of trad music, so there'll be like the lively stuff, and then the pub will go silent. So there'll be 100 people in the pub, the whole place will go silent. Because it's now time for a sad song. And someone has to <laughs> sing a song, and everybody has to get depressed. And listen to the sad song about the woman who's on the island, but she has the fish. <laughs> so the brave fishermen went out and they got the fish for the woman and then they ate the fish, but then she died. Oh, the fish wasn't good. No. So, you know, if you <laughs> have this. <laughs> so you have this. Irish people are going to kill me now, but anyway. Well, this, uh, this is what this just happens in, in, this really happens in pubs where there's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, like it's usually like a trad. Like this. I mean, this I could like... understand the balance between having a little upbeat music and a little yeah. more softer yeah. down music, but I... but yeah, but like I, I remember myself and, and a few of us were uh, uh, my partner and a few people were in uh, a bar, a pub, and this happened, and we had we had, we didn't really go to this pub too often, near where I grew up actually, mm. and uh, we're in this pub. And it, this, it was like a trad night. So that's where the people would come in, like an open mic night, right? People would come in, play some music. And some of them would sing a sad song. So the whole pub went quiet. And we <laughs> kept talking. And we just got some dirty looks from people. You know, they were looking around at us. I'm turning my head side. They were looking around at us going, would you shut up? And the man is singing, or the woman is singing now a sad song. Shut up! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> huh, so it's like really go. understood that this is not this is time for no talking. 
Like yes, you be quiet. You listen to the sadness. See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have depressed. known that. You know, I wouldn't have known that. I would have just get, you get been like, context. "Oh, this is a mood change in the pub now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. we could keep on talking, but I wouldn't think that everyone has to like. That's that's actually good to know. Americans don't know that. I think. Ah, uh, you get it from context because everybody goes quiet. Well, let me ask you: Is uh, by the way, is is Wayfaring Stranger a song that is is done in Ireland? I have not heard of this. Now it could be. I have not heard of this. Uh, until you you uh, introduced it to me. Oh, okay, um, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't think so. I don't think uh, it so. It seems like the type of melody yeah. that could be played on a an Irish whistle or something. And... Having said that, I didn't come across any Irish versions or any Irish musicians doing this song. Mm. Do you know what? Should we play a version? Yeah, we just, should definitely play some... a version. We're talking and talking. How about how about we play the first version? Ever recorded. All right, cool. The first <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are we sure about this? This is the first one ever recorded. Uh, well, yeah. According to according to. Um, oh, cool. I want to hear. Um, it. Actually, wait. Which one was the first one ever recorded? So this one is is Vaughn's Texas Quartet. It's 1930. Uh, oh, so that cool. sounds about right. You know, it's about when recording technologies around. Um, I mean, there could be an earlier version, but this is the earliest one I found. Okay, um, cool. Second hand, I think second hand songs. Cool. Uh, so let's yeah, let's just give this an old listen. I am a poor wayfaring pilgrim while traveling through this world below. I find this a very powerful piece. It has a lot of impact, you know. Mm. Even though it's simple, I always yeah. find simple things really strike at something very core. Um, yeah, it's really cool. There are some complex versions that are really amazing, but a lot of the simple yeah. versions are really good. I, I really enjoy just the basic melody. It does have impact. I, I agree. It's kind of that simple piano in the background. I like when the on those last two lines of uh, the chorus or B section where the group comes in and it's, it's kind of like we're all going there together, you know? We're all, oh, yeah, yeah. That's those, a good point. Those two yeah. lines, those two lines are uh, the Jordan line. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over home. So it's like they're all going together. Yeah, that's they're a really all, good they're point. They're over that River Jordan or, or wait, is it River? Is it River Jordan? The River Jordan, yeah. River, yeah. Uh, the river Jordan is like right down between, yeah. It well, Jordan and Israel are separated by the river there. Ah, okay, very good. 
There we go. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, kind of a powerful piece, you know. I'm just going to do a quick, uh, bring up a couple of music theory points right now. I thought uh, we could go through. What do you think? Like personally, uh, you, you know, I, I'm not sure you might have interpreted it a little bit differently, but personally, mm -hmm. I see this as a song that it's supposed that's meant to express kind of a journey through life and yeah, uh, with sure. with a clear ending. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, a positive ending uh, in that, you know, you're reuniting with family in heaven. So this particular song, I practiced playing it in D minor, in, in that key of a D minor. And mm -hmm. it's it's set so that uh, each of the, the melody tones fit into a, a minor pentatonic scale. Uh, and I feel that the way the melody is set up is so kind of, is so lasting and... Uh, kind of really sticks in people's mind because it fully passes through the like the the basic uh notes of the and intervals of the pentatonic scale and then it mm -hmm. cadences and finishes it kind of fully explores it in my mind you know in a very simple straightforward way so the way so let me just play a pentatonic scale for you first ah, you go, i was going to ask you what that was yeah so here we go here's a pentatonic d minor scale just so you can hear it so nice. pentatonic scale would mean unlike our major and minor scales that are the the main scales used in western music those are seven note scales pentatonic mm -hmm. scales are five note scales basically a scale is just a way to divide up the octave and the octave yeah. is a two to one <clears throat> interval of vibration so for example this is a d and then this is a D. Mm -hmm. You know, they sound similar enough. We call it oc octave equivalency. They're different notes, but they sound similar enough because they're at a two to one vibration ratio. This particular piece, mm -hmm. if you're only playing the basic melodic notes, it will only play through that pentatonic minor scale. Cool. It, and now the, the interesting thing about this piece, is, of course, is a really old folk tune. I don't know if we have any proof that it was originally played in this way at all. Oh, okay. Oh, really? But this is our 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 way that we all play it and know it today. Uh, uh, and where did that come from? Is there is there any evidence to show how that originally came into being? If you know what I mean. There is. So you had mentioned, uh, I forget the name of the book. You had the original, the first publication that you'd mentioned earlier. Joseph Beaver's Christian Songster. So you think in, in that they would have they would have written down the pentatonic scale? As I understand it, a lot of early versions that were written down of this piece were connected with um, something called shape note singing. And shape note singing uh -huh. okay. is a, a way of reading music in congregations, like church congregations. Yeah. Uh, it basically simplifies music notation a little bit mm -hmm. it does it by connecting music notation with solfege and solfege is means sounds like do re mi fa sol la ti do yeah so the notation directly connects through special shapes in the notes connects the notes to the solfege system and that's supposed to make it easier to sing without having a deep musical knowledge mm. Um, mm. and so some of the first written versions of this piece were written in these shape note systems for churches so oh, okay. my guess is a lot of the melody and harmony that's used today probably developed through that oh. 
but I don't know okay, the exact okay. history beyond what? that. There's what? a lot of oh. conjecture, you know. Yeah. What? Um, you said sulfage. Is that the word you so, said? Sulfage. How do you spell this? S O L F E G. Yeah, it's a a word to describe the system of using do re mi fa sol la ti do. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So okay, which yeah, is so uh, like, from the sound of music, isn't it? Well, not from the sound of music. It comes from the. It's <laughs> 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 popularized by the sound of music. Sound yeah. of music. <laughs> oh, a dear, a female dear. <laughs> yeah, that was popularized by. Very whimsical, us. Jacob. Very whimsical. <clears throat> Jape, japes japes for sure i was japing i was japing so let me ask you this tom mm. uh how would you describe a cadence how do you understand a cadence ah, that's a good question because i didn't know this a few weeks ago so i would describe it using an example so we all know the song in english happy birthday to you yeah yeah and we go happy birthday to you and so hmm. that, for me, my understanding is that the to you brings an ending to that line or that uh, phrase. Phrase, yeah. That yeah melodic definitely. line, let's say. It, yeah, it feels like it's, en it's finishing, right? It's finishing. So the cadence for me is that to, is that movement from to to you. It's that mu musical movement between those two uh, notes or hmm. chords. Let's mm. say. Yeah, definitely. Is that right? Yeah, I think Something so. Like that? Yeah, that's how. That's that's a that's a very good description. Like th this, I, and I wish I had in the past when I was talking about cadences, kind of taking the time to more carefully describe this. Um, but yeah, we're just talking about uh, creating a finality in a musical yeah. phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just finishing yeah. the phrase, and there are different <clears throat> ways to do it. There are a couple <clears throat> of different types of cadences, okay. and I I bring this up because it, most often this particular piece uh, is filled with a lot of plagal cadences and plagal cadences mm. have this kind of sound where we're going from four to one uh, which would be like okay here I'm going to play mm. the chord mm. so that's mm. out of context but that's just a, mm -hmm. a feeling of a plagal cadence so I'm going to put yep. it in context now cool. of Wayfaring Stranger you know, we have from the first phrase I'm just going to play quickly and then I'm going to go to the second phrase so here's the first phrase mm. so there there was a mm. a sort of melodic cadence that lands right there with mm. the, mm -hmm. oh nice 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 so now for the next phrase though we get a really clear plagal cadence and I'm going to show you right where it is so Oh, actually, no, it's in the, yeah, next phrase. And this is where we get the cadence. That. So that's where we can hear, and there are a lot of those plagal movements between that minor four, and the minor one. So that's just a unique sort of music mm. theory character of the way this is often harmonized. Again, it's a folk song, so there's not really any hard and fast rule. I don't know if it was originally written this way, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's played this way a lot. This is the way it's played now. And like yeah. the, on the plagal cadence, uh, you had sent me a link, and it was a very interesting link. 
about the different types of cadences. And when they were talking about the plagal one, they, they brought the analogy of, of it being like an amen. Yeah, something like that, that. that. Exactly. There's often that, um, let's see if I can manage it, that... That's the plagal sound. That does that make sense? Uh, Often yeah, yeah, you'll hear yeah, yeah. "Amen" sung that way. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like um, it's very suits 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 the song obviously because of the spiritual aspect. Ooh, sorry. Oh, yeah, go on. No, no, I just started making a bunch of. I made a mistake with the guitar. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. But yeah, I just yeah, want to bring up the, the "Amen." Because it nicely connects with the song, because it's a spiritual song, yeah. Yeah, so those are the two main points that I wanted to bring up. The um, We're cool. exploring the minor pentatonic scale, and yeah. there are a lot of plagal cadences. And so mm. specifically, the last thing before we go on, um, mm -hmm. as we're exploring the minor pentatonic scale, if you look through the structure, and I'm just working off... Uh, I'm working off a book that was um, it's called American Folk Songs, and it was compiled and edited with notes by Alan Lomax, who's like an early mm -hmm. folk music scholar. Mm -hmm. And this particular version is set up so that uh, they go through the, f the, the first part of the melody twice, and then they mm -hmm. have a, a B section in the middle, and then they kind of requote parts from the, the A section again and go back. So they have it's set up in a very simple type of way. But what I thought was, is interesting about the difference between the A and the B section is in the A mm -hmm. section, um, they're kind of only focusing on the first half of the scale and then they go to the B section and they move into the second part of the scale and they expand mm -hmm. where, there are, where they are within the pentatonic. So mm. the first section, they're just moving between this area you know, the, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they're kind of staying mm -hmm. around those four notes just in that part of the scale. But then in the mm -hmm. second section, they're moving up to the. Mm. They're kind of exploring more of the scale just to show that, okay, we're going to journey into a next stage. We're going to do more uh, with, with the song. Um, it just gives mm. more a sense to me that, you know, we're wandering through life and journeying to the next part of, mm. uh, you know, I thought mm. maybe there was some intentionality behind that. Maybe I'm overreaching there a bit because mm. it's a very simple folk melody, really. Um, no, I think there's something to that, right? Yeah, but that, that was my interpretation there. Cool. So in the A, so it's an A-A-B-A -A -A form, as you say. These are the lyrics. Is, I am a poor wayfaring stranger. I'm just going to read them. I'm journeying through this world of woe. There is no sickness, toil or danger in that bright world to which I go. And that would be the first day. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's a, that sounds like the version that I have here. There, there are a bunch yeah, of... They, the, they the, change the, the yeah, lyrics. They change the lyrics. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then when they go into the chorus, I'm going to go, I'm going to go there to see my mother. Is that the B? Would you say that's the B? Yeah, I would say that's kind of the chorus, the B section. It, it's a chorus section because they'll change. So, yeah, yeah they say a this a lot. Point. I did, I hadn't thought about that. You make a good point because they'll add different verses, and mm. turn that section into a chorus. It's really more of a chorus than a B section. Okay, okay. Um, no, well, yeah, yeah I, I'm make just a getting point clear there. in my head that I just get the structure because they seem to go from that back to the chorus, back to another verse, back to the chorus again. But they mm. change. I, I'm going there to see my mother. They they talk about. I have the Libby Prison Hymn. So this is quite an old version. 
Oh wow! Okay, nice. Yeah, there's. I can send a link. I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, they go on to my children, sister, uh, savior is I think one of the ending ones, and mm-hmm. I think father. I think a lot of newer versions use father first rather mm. than mother, but this one says mother first. They don't even say father actually in this one. So, Burl Ives. Uh, okay, Burl Ives. Cool. Burl Ives. Now he he recorded first in 1944. I found that version quite difficult to find. So I got the 1960 version. I think it's more or less the same. Okay. Again, okay. he has that simple. Oops, he has that simple guitar in the background, mm-hmm. and he's singing. I, I thought it was quite nice. So let's uh, let's listen to Bird Eyes. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe. And there's no sickness, no toil, no danger In that fair land to which I go I'm going there to see my mother I'm going there no more to roam I'm just a going over Jordan I'm just a going over home Yeah, what do you think of that one? Yeah, I I have some thoughts after listening to uh the the Ives and um the Vaughn's Texas Quartet. So one thing about this piece is my sense of maybe why I think this continues has continued to be a popular melody in in America for so long especially is that it mm-hmm. on top of it being a spiritual about traveling through life and it's def, you know there's a lot of imagery it also connects in my mind to this idea of the American cowboy in the west and wandering through difficult terrain having a very difficult life mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the you know on the outer limits mm-hmm. of what America was at that time and um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know kind of looking back on the struggles of a difficult life in in a way it, it does sort of evoke a little bit is a of the cowboy point. image a little bit um oh like a wandering stranger the, the and by the way the the cowboy idea is pretty much a made-up idea it's like Sure, the cowboy, sure. yeah, from the from okay. the beginning of when cowboys existed, it was already a fantasy, pretty much. Like the idea of the cowboy was oh, really, really okay. like the real cowboy. I mean, there was a, a west, of course, but um, it's always been a, yeah, 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 sure, a, like a fantasy, fantasy role kind, kind of, of a myth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty <okay>. much. <laughs> I mean, there are people out there that tend to cows, but you know, it's a hard job. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Right. It's, it's like that wandering, wandering. But it, I, you kind of hit on something that wandering stranger, you know the the kung fu kind of guy. Is it Davis? Um, what's his name? Car- Carradine. Carradine is it Carradine? Carradine. Carradine. Mary Carradine. I don't um, know. Um, you know, wandering through, solving crimes, 
Yeah, it's, it gives a little bit of the that. wandering Ronin in Japan, you know, that kind of thing, like the Seven Samurai, the guy's wandering through. It has that kind of wandering feeling. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's and I, I think that's why it makes a really good blues cover too. Or, um, or and that's why I think in in so after listening to those two, like I was just saying, it this is this song has really been adopted by like the country western community for sure in the U.S. Sure. Like country yeah, country yeah, singers yeah, yeah. have really dove into this one and i think it's that connection to that wandering cowboy kind of sense Mm. maybe why they why Mm. that's really resonated there there's another guy what do you think of this i what do you think of this jacob let me let me play this let's play this one and i want to get your opinion on it so i i did i've done a little thing here what do you think of this what do you think of this i am a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this wearisome land there is no sickness no toil no danger in that fair land to which I go some people say a man is made out of mud A poor man's made out of muscle and blood Muscle and blood and skin and bones A mind that's weak and a back that's strong You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go I owe my soul to the company store <laughs> what, what, what did you think of that, Jacob? <laughs> well, you really threw me off there in the middle, Tom. <laughs> really? Did you not think that was the same song? <laughs> you know, That's the guys, way it goes, that, isn't it? That guy's voice is really powerful. Wait, well, was this I... the same guy sing, singing both of those? Yep, that's the reason. That, I've, I've heard the the I've heard the second one actually. I've heard it used on um, uh, I want to say The Simpsons. Oh, it could be. Yeah, anywhere. It, yeah it's, it's been a very used popular on. Song. Yeah, it's been used song. all over the place. I have it on my playlist because I heard it someplace and I thought, oh wow, I got to learn this. So that was Tennessee Ernie Ford in Tennessee. 1960. Tennessee mm. Ernie Ford. Uh, that was him in both versions. And so I just wanted to play the first one because it's a nice contrast to the Vaughn and Burleigh's version. Mm. Uh, he's a very deep, powerful voice, doesn't he? It's, uh, yeah, that is a powerful voice. And I think that was live. Uh, he had a show uh, called The Ford Show or something like that. And uh, that was him uh, singing huh. live with a, with a gu- guitar accompanying him. But wow. that song, and when I found out that that's the same guy who does another song called 16 Tons, which was the second half of that piece... I was like, oh, it's the same guy. And 16 Tons is a very popular swing tune. Mm. Uh, swing oh, dancing really? tune. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that, actually. It swings. It swings. It's like 16 Tons. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. I hadn't Upper thought course. about it that way. Yeah, it, it swings does. like, And pe- people oh. love to dance to it. It's very popular. Now, it's not a great swing song. I have to admit, <laughs> it's not a great one. But it's a lovely song to dance to, especially for beginners, because it has a lovely clear beat. It, it, it has lovely stops in it. It's very clear. 
you know, and it's uh, very popular, more, almost like a swing poppy song. I, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to even bring this up because it seems so obvious, but no, is sixteen tons set into two eight-bar phrases? Is that the idea behind the song? Like there are two eight-bar phrases within the melody, and they're all heavy, heavy bricks, kind of like. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the the. the I'm just I'm just spitballing because I don't ah. know the piece that well, and I was thinking, you know, ah. there's this. There's this group they call themselves Sixteen Horsepower that do a a cover of Wayfaring Stranger, which is pretty pretty good actually. Oh, um, interesting. Uh, and I, I, know and I just started tons. making some connections, you know. Ah, I know Sixteen Tons was written by a minor, I think. Oh, okay. And it became quite popular. I the name has escaped me now, but it was a minor. Huh. Who wrote Sixteen Tons? Maybe we'll do that uh, as a future song. Yeah. That'd be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have to listen to that yeah. one. Cool. So there's another version, Jacob, by Smith Street Society. And they have a really, they have a jazz, a jazz version of this song. The only jazz version I could find. I really like this. Um, yeah, I like that one too. Uh, I was really surprised at how good that, like, I, I'm surprised there aren't more uh, more groups doing that. Yeah, it's really cool. So let, let me, uh, let's play that version now and I will ask you a question. Okay. And let's say, uh, not, not you specifically, but I'm like the, the audience, a question. What is the tuba doing? The and if tuba. you were to dance the tuba, okay, so there's mm. a tuba in there. What's the tuba doing? And if you were to dance to this, would you feel a more a vertical or horizontal feeling? Hmm. hmm. Okay. Just two simple questions. Okay, vertical or horizontal. All right. <laughs> tuba doing oh okay just very simply and then okay. the second question is the overall feel of that song would it would it give you a vertical or horizontal feeling if you were to dance would you feel like being on the spot going up and down and not moving too much horizontally or would you feel like moving more horizontally okay so this is how i would think about it so mm. i think the tuba is doing a really great job playing the role of uh, what what would often be done by a walking bass and yep. they're kind of uh outlining the the chord structure by giving kind of mm. the root notes of each harmonic area as we go along ah, um, but cool. they're also with those root notes i think they're leading to some slightly more complex harmonies than we've seen in like the other versions of wayfaring stranger and ah. because of that i would argue that this is a more mm. horizontal kind of piece because they're trying to oh. move around the melody and kind of transform the harmony and I would imagine I'm not a dancer but I'd imagine as a dancer you might be tempted to move around more on the floor in a horizontal kind of way to kind of develop where the music is moving very interesting so you're hitting on you're hitting on something there something just struck me about moving around the dance floor you almost as if you're moving in like a ballroom circle you're moving around the dance floor in a circle 
which is what um, the certain old pre-swing dance where they would step on, and this is my point I was making, they would step on one and three, mm. but they would move. It was called the Peabody. Peabody is a version of it. Um, okay. There's another name for it as well, the Peabody. It's type of da- an old dance, a pre, it's a pre-swing dance. Mm. And so what they would do is, what you would get on dance floors, right? And it, you get this especially in ballroom dances. You'd have the dance floor and people would move uh, counterclockwise around the dance floor on the edges. And the inside would be more the fast lane, the outside would be the slow lane. That makes mm. sense. Mm-mm-mm. Whereas if you go to a swing dance, people or like a salsa dance or, or any of these, let's say, uh, quote unquote street dances or social dances, uh, they would they would be going all over the place. I would be mm. staying in one spot. Mm. Now, what I was, that was interesting because that kind of Peabody feeling that you were picking up on was quite interesting because you're, you're mm. stepping only on the ones and threes, which is what I thought what the tuba was doing was going one. Three, five, seven, and one. Three, five. Seven. Mm. I was doing that a lot. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, you, were, you were picking out. And sometimes you go seven, eight, one to build up a bit of momentum, I think, at the end of the phrase. Mm. The other thing, I would, personally, if I was dancing to that, mm. I, I might, if I if I was playing around with the Peabody feeling, I might do the Peabody with my partner. Mm. But if I was not like, quote unquote, normal dancing, I would probably think more vertical. Oh more really? Like, okay. More, more like a Charleston. That oh, would make okay. me want to do like a Charleston. Okay. Well, no, old, let me ask you. Wait, let school, me ask the you. The old school Charleston, you know. Let me ask you this, Tom. <laughs> yes, please do. I, I'm dying to hear your question. <laughs> let me ask you this, Tom. I just want to mm-hmm. clarify the Peabody thing. I'm getting way too comfortable using that phrase. That's got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> We're turning into right podcasters here. <laughs> um. I'm wondering about the the Peabody. If you and your yeah. partner were doing that, you would, in your own place, within the dance floor, you would kind of move in a circular kind of way? Is that you what you You would move mean? around the dance floor. Uh, you'd dance most, floor. Okay, okay. So you'd need, a little, you'd need enough floor. space to really move. Yeah, well, you, you, you just, you'd kind of navigate like a, a circle mm. around the the outer rim of the dance floor, you know? If you mm. Imagine you took the, the dance floor, let's say it's a square, and you, you put a circle inside the square. You're mm. kind of moving roughly around that circle. Mm. I'm going to hit all the, the edges of the square. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. It does, so yeah. it's called the line of dance. That's what they say in ballroom, the line of dance. So, like, for example... Yeah. Just to give you an example, we were at a tea dance, and there was a, a big band playing, but they were playing a mixture of things, and... When the ballroom dancers were, were dancing, so it was a mixture of different dancers. The ballroom dancers were dancing; they would dance around in that line, that line, okay, through that line. Whereas all the swing dancers were up in the corner, and we were like the blockage because <laughs> they had to go around us because we were like in one spot doing our thing, and then the the, the ballroom dancers had to kind of like move around us. Uh, gosh, swing dancers always causing trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's let's listen one more time because do you mind if I play the clip sure. again? I, I want to yeah. see if I pick up on there there was a, a spot where I specifically felt the harmony was developing or the the, stru- the melody was developing in a direction towards maybe a new key and I felt like that would be an indication that maybe a dancer would move or something like that. But let me see if I can ah, okay, hear it. Okay, okay, okay. So here we're in the main melody. We're mm-hmm. 
this is all clear. Yep. Then we repeat it again. This is still clear. Yep. Yeah, this is much more complex, this B section. Yeah. yeah. This is a much that more B complex B section, and it feels like the moment you get to yeah. it, I feel like the moment you get to that B section, like mm -hmm. as a dancer, I feel like that's where I would want to put all my kind of interesting stuff. If I got yes. some moves, I put them Good. there. If I'm going to move around... I'm going to put them there because then it there's, feels like it's changing and developing. There's I'm, definitely something more going on in that B section and kind of like the B sections, even if you go back to the previous podcast and the Jack McVeigh version of Sunnyside, mm. it's very stoppy on the A's and then it gets going on the B and comes back to stoppy. This mm. is something similar, but in a different vein. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. You want to do something more. I, maybe you want to move around a bit more on the B section. You want to add a bit more energy. Add, a, add something, a bit of spice, you know? Definitely. Yeah, and then I'd, I'd guess that maybe on the return to the A section, you go back to your kind of beginning thing a little bit, right? Or I don't know, I'm yeah, just sort of imagining exactly. how I would think as a dancer. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Well, you're thinking more as a musician, actually. Okay. I think. <laughs> okay. No, I know, and I, I, that, that wasn't meant to be a smart comment, but like, which is, which is obviously a good thing because I think dancers should think like musicians in some sense. Because or we need to feel the music like a musician because otherwise we're just dancing to uh, a metronome. Mm, mm. Which might, is okay. You can express a lot that way, surprisingly. <laughs> you can, you can. Which was a common, common criticism of dancers by the great Artie Shaw. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He hated dancers. Because he funny. says you might as well just be dancing to a metronome. He said something. Huh. I'm paraphrasing him, but yeah. Anyway, going back, let me ask you this, Jacob. I have another clip from that, and this is a tuba solo. Now, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. Would you dance to this? Yes or no? Okay. So, because it's a tuba solo, would you dance? Would you Would you listen or would you dance to this? Let's say you're in the middle of a dance, mm -hmm. and then this solo came up. Would you continue dancing, or would you stop and listen? I, I think he, he maintains the energy, but it's tricky with just the banjo keeping the rhythm behind him. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be tricky to m really kind of it's feel... Mixed, there's a mixed feeling there, isn't there? Yeah, what do you, I don't know. What do you think about that one? I don't think it's quite I, as I would... solid as the bass solos. But like, there's that yeah. one bass solo we listened to which just felt like it just stopped the whole rhythm, but... Yep. I don't know. What do you? How do you feel? How do you feel I, about I this would one, Tom? Be, I would be. I, I. I. Yeah. I. I completely agree with you. I. I kind of would feel torn. If I was with <laughs> someone and really enjoying the dance, keep going. That banjo wasn't there. Yeah. Then that you'd be tuba's, lost, right? Yeah. Uh, that tuba is kind of giving a swing feel a little bit. I feel. Mm. Yeah, a he's doing bit. a pretty it's, good job, but he's, he's also not, missing beats and jumping beats. Yeah, so. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's good for a solo, yeah. but if you don't have the backing, the background rhythm, I don't know for a well, dancer, that banjo. it might be tricky. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Completely agree. 
And there was just one other thing I thought was interesting about uh, just the end of this tuba solo. I really like the way the tuba passes it back to the trombone. Oh, it's kind of cool. Nice. So um, this is what I hear. Let me just tell you what I hear and then the listeners can try and listen for it. So I hear the tuba right at the end of the solo. He gets back into his one three groove by playing the only the ones and threes. Mm. And, and then the trombone picks that up with a little bit of a walking feeling. Mm. And they kind of pass quite nicely. I'm going to play it one more time. That came really fast. <laughs> that was quite quick, yeah. <laughs> that was very well, like, timed. He, he yeah. the Both the trombone and tuba came in right on the downbeat, so... Yeah, that was smooth for sure. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> that so, was cool. Uh, I thought that that was a uh, yeah. I thought it was just a nice way to end it. I would recommend people check that. That whole album is really nice. The album is called "Ain't No Sin." Ain't no sin by the Smith Street Society Jazz Band. Well, Tom, I made really a copy cool. for educational purposes, and we'll definitely listen through. <laughs> Because it is really good. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking to maybe, uh, you know, um, it, this is one worth ordering for sure. And I'm going to try yes, to find I link. I link there uh, where you can get it. <laughs> 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 um, <clears throat> let me show you again. <laughs> there, are, there are two clips I'd like to end on. Yeah. And... One is the Justin Johnson, which we uh, talked yeah, talk, yeah. talk about before. And the other one is Johnny Cash. I can't, I can't end this podcast without at least mentioning Johnny Cash. I, love, I right. really like Johnny Cash. Well, well I how, know, about, how about before we get to Johnny Cash, l- yeah. let's play a little of the Justin Johnson, because I love Justin yeah. Johnson, and then we can end up end on Johnny on, uh, Cash. Of, yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's play. Uh, you've got a clip there of the start of Justin Johnson. Oh, nice. And Justin Johnson, by the way, is uh, is a guy who I'm a particular fan of. He he puts out a lot of videos playing different kinds of guitars on YouTube and cool. is really an excellent guitar player. Uh, and sometimes it's just fun to watch some of his clips because he picks up these very unusual guitars. Like I saw him playing on one that was basically a shovel with strings on it and, you know, electrified. <laughs> and the guy sounded good playing it. I was wow. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. This guy, this is only a few years ago. This is, I think, 2016. This is his version of Wayfaring Stranger. So let's get the start. Okay, here we go. Did you notice Tom? Yeah, did you notice Tom also the way in the when he's plucking the strings, he's actually kind of mimicking that 
bum 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 that you might get from a bass. Bum 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 bum. Let me let me play again just to so you hear what I'm talking about here. Cool. Very cleverly done. He's basically mimicking a bass line kind of while he's playing the melody up above it. That's like, is that layered? That's layered. I don't think he's layering it. But I could be wrong. This 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 level of bass and melody you could do for sure. It wouldn't need to be layered, but it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, cool clip. That is Very good. nice. When I my daughter was listening to a couple of versions on the headphones. And I, I was playing a few for her, one of my daughters. And I I played Cash. Mm. And I was I, I kind of died a little bit inside because she immediately <laughs> took off the headphones and was like, Dad, it's too complicated. Cash? It's too, it's too complicated. <laughs> it's the word she is complicated. I know where she got that word. Too complicated. And then I put on <laughs> Justin Johnson. I think you'd be pleased to hear this. She loved it. Ah, well, Justin Johnson's pretty it. good. <laughs> she loved it. No, she only loved the first minute of it. Uh-oh. Because when he starts to get going, she took off the efforts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. very interesting. She liked the simplicity. and it's. I think that's interesting because the simple versions of this song, I think, are the most powerful. Complicated versions like the, the Smith Street Society, it's great. Mm. But the simple ones really give a powerful punch you know yeah like capture the essence of the melody yeah. and yeah. like what they're trying to express exactly it's, it's just it's, it's very simple and it's just do this very simple thing and get to the core of it you know which is death and a journey through life let's listen to cash being complicated just for like 10 seconds <laughs> strong that's yeah. very strong i'm i don't play too much of cash now but you know i mean he's great but yeah yeah that is a strong intro and the, his his voice uh like listening through the whole version of that one his voice is really suited to like a, a somber kind of like yes approach to the yes. song I, I i do like his version but it's not my go-to i i tend no. to yeah it's not my go-to yeah. but i do very much like it yeah, yeah, it's not whimsical enough for you, is it, Jacob? Not quite whimsical <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, that is on uh, the Solitary Man, so it's quite an apt song he picked for that album. Mm. Solitary Man, that's his album. So, yeah, any any other versions that well, you'd like to end on, Jacob? You or? know, I, I I do notice that you've um, queued up the HP Lovecraft. Which is well, maybe, maybe just sitting there. It's just sitting there, and it's you're looking it's at it. Kind of you're a looking at it. Yeah, it's just. I don't I know if I can resist that it. Up. I was the reason I actually put that in was I was going. To, I had forgotten about it, but I was going to talk about it in the context of the Smith Street Society and what the tuba was doing, like the ones yeah. and threes, because in this HP. So when I was talking about the vertical dancing, how I would like to dance, when I play this. I basically just want to bang my head up and down. 
Yeah, yeah. Like a rocker. It's, or well, it's because of that cowbell, man. They've got this cowbell kind of jamming you in the head. <laughs> exactly. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's um, mental. Yeah. I think we should end on that. I think I think that's a great note to end on. Let's end on H.P. Lovecraft's, which is a band, not the um, the writer. It's a band called H.P. Lovecraft, and they have a wayfaring stranger version. Yeah, and by the way, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to participate in any way, send us an email at Jacob and Tom's Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and here we go, H.P. Lovecraft's version of Wayfaring Stranger. On that note. Bright line to which I go. I'm